Hi, my name is Gina, and welcome to Letters to My Daughters podcast. If you're a returning listener, I want to thank you for returning. And if you are new, I just want to welcome you. My experience with miscarriage has changed my reactions to certain news. Where I would once be overwhelmed with joy at the news of someone I love being pregnant, now I struggle with feelings of jealousy and bitterness. It isn't that I'm not happy for them, that I wish what happened to me would happen to them, or that I think that their news isn't a beautiful gift from God. In my heart, I know that they don't know what they don't know, and I wouldn't wish the wisdom I have gained on anyone. They can't anticipate my internal battle at their news, and they shouldn't have to. The fact is, it isn't personal. So why is my heart a little bitter about the whole thing? In my letter on trying too hard, I talked about the advice that people gave me during my miscarriages. I think there is an unspoken expectation from others that have not experienced the same thing that you're going through, that you need to buck up, suck in a deep breath, hold it in, and keep marching forward. Let's be honest, it's hard to have compassion for someone who has different priorities, beliefs, and ways of grieving than you. The band My Epic has a song called Blacklight that was written about an experience with miscarriage. This song hits me strongly in the heart, especially the line, No good God would cause a thing so ugly. It leaves you cursing while you're trying to pray. Have you ever fought your way through a prayer, cursing what is happening to you while also trying to praise and glorify God? I remember getting into my car after appointments that left me hopeless, praying out of one side of my mouth that God would work a miracle and resurrect the baby inside of me, while the other side of my mouth thought that God would never perform such a miracle on my behalf. It's really hard to feel secure in God's love for me when bad things continually happen to me. Bible stories during that time, not because they gave me hope, but because misery loves company and these people were miserable. The story of Hannah and the sorrow she felt having to give sacrifices to God every year, knowing that year after year her prayers went unanswered. The story of Job, who lost everything and did nothing wrong. The funny thing about Hannah is that she eventually did get what she asked for, a child. But in so many cases, God's answer to our prayers is a resounding no. An example of this in my life is my desire to have more children. I always imagined myself having five kids. I met my husband, a man who was such a powerful image bearer of Jesus, and I guess my mental image of how my family would look down the line suddenly included all these kids. I would daydream about the memories our family would make. It's sort of like how the instant your pregnancy test comes out positive, you have a lifetime of dreams in your mind's eye. 
Maybe I am just a dreamer, but to suddenly, coldly be confronted with the fact that those dreams have literally died is really hard. Job is a really good example of unfair and bad things happening to good people, but in some ways it feels unfair. Job had a close relationship with God, and I would argue that in the Bible he was one of God's favorites. The instant that Job lost everything, he shaved his head, tore his clothes, and fell to the ground to worship God. I don't know what it feels like to lose everything I love all at once. But I do know that during times of loss in my life, I have not fallen down in worship. I wonder to myself if that was not my first response because I don't know God as well as Job did. I wonder if it's because I feel like in some twisted way, I deserve the bad things that have happened. I wonder if I doubt the love that the Bible tells me God has for me. Job was blameless following the rules God had put in place for his life. But I am so guilty of sin in so many different ways. Job's relationship with God was so undeniable. But in these modern times, It is so much harder to receive communication from God, even though God does communicate with us. It is easier to deny answers from God when life is busy, when we are so used to instant gratification. God doesn't offer a prime service. He doesn't have same-day shipping. So to answer my own question, how do I know if God still loves me when bad things happen to me? There's a song by Casting Crowns called Just Be Held, and one of the lines says, If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. I don't know if you've watched The Passion of the Christ, but that movie is a powerful snapshot of the brutality that Jesus endured for our forgiveness and salvation. If God can sacrifice his only son in the most inhuman and cruel way imaginable, he knows my pain. If we are all children of God and we are all wayward sinners, God knows the pain of a parent losing a child to sin or to death. So this leads me to my next question. Is it okay to be bitter, angry, or confused through trials? Job himself cries out in bitterness to God. He says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. There are many examples like this in the Bible, moments in which people like Job, Solomon, and Hannah cry out to God. 
In the book of Lamentations, we hear hopelessness, despair, and confusion. I have to believe that if so much of the Bible is dedicated to historical recordings of the devastations people experienced and how they communicated that pain to God, that these feelings are not bad to share with God. The key here is to express these feelings to God, but not allow them to harden your heart. Ephesians 4.31 calls us to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. The thing that has happened to you is shattering. This is why, in your pain and despair, God wants you to cry out to Him for help. In 2 Corinthians 1.3-4, we are told, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let me break this down. God did not create or allow the terrible circumstances that happened to you, but he does expect you to talk through them with him, First, so that he can comfort and heal you, but second, so that your experience can bring healing and comfort to others. You were designed to endure, to ask for help, and then to use what you have learned for good. Staying bitter is not the appropriate response to what has happened, no matter how comforting that darkness may appear. saying that I don't still struggle with feelings of bitterness. It is not easy to wish those thoughts away for good. So this brings me to my last question of today. How do I let go of dreams that God has told me I cannot achieve? This has been the hardest question I have dealt with lately. There is some scripture that tells us that praying expectantly and with faith God will answer. Sort of like what I said in my letter about prosperity, I think these verses get taken out of context. Framing your entire prayer life around scripture that causes you to believe that God is a genie is a slippery slope. Sometimes God does answer our prayers in unexpected ways, including telling us no or not yet. God told David no, even after days of fasting and prayer, begging God to spare the life of his infant son. David, who the Bible calls a man after God's heart, was told no. I have to remember that God's sovereignty gives him the right to make life and death decisions. I also have to remember that we are in a world cursed by sin, that things will go wrong because we were born wrong, and no matter how many Bible verses we read or good deeds we do, we are still wrong.
The people in the Bible who were so faithful like Paul, who built the church and followed Jesus, were told no. This is strong evidence that God has a plan for our lives and that our earthly desires may be valid, but that God won't allow us to deviate from his plan, especially once we declare that he is the Lord of our lives. I don't have a God's eye view explanation for why I can't have more children, but I am trusting that his plan will propel me forward, that my prayers and lamentations to him will be heard, that I will heal, and that I will be permitted to put my trials to good use. I hope you feel encouraged because God loves you. He loves you individually and specifically. You are not just a number in line at the deli with God. You are a unique creation, and the purpose God has laid out for you may not meet your expectations, but that should be motivation for you to meet His expectations. I love you. God loves you. Even in your trials, I hope you never forget it. I just want to take a second to thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you know anyone who could benefit from my letters, please share. I hope God blesses you in ways you could not imagine this week. Talk to you later. Bye.